to the Overflow Podcast. We pray that you are encouraged with this message. For more information, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Psalm chapter 46, if you guys got your Bible, we're kind of moving, we've been going from uh, Proverbs 18, but Psalms 46 1 says this says, God is our refuge and strength. God is our refuge and strength. Always, everybody say always, always ready to help in times of trouble. See, when you're in trouble, God's always ready to help you. Not sometimes, not when he's thinking about you. How many of you know that God has, has, has the ability to think about you always? I don't have the ability, well, I probably do have the ability to think about God always, but I don't. Are you with me? But God is always thinking about me. He's always ready to help me when, I, when I'm in need. Always help me when I'm in trouble. He's always ready. He is our refuge and our strength. In fact, the, the, you know, so many times we think that, you know, the, the, we're not always in need. But how many of you know that we're always in need? In fact, we need need in our life because need makes us dependent upon God. See, the, our rebellion, rebellious nature, right, our carnality, wants to, we want to be independent. Right? We want to be independent. But God wants us to be codependent upon him. God wants us to need him. Because how many know that he can meet needs better than you can meet needs? And he's, he's really good at that. So God is always ready to help us in times of trouble. Now, the fact that he is our refuge indicates that there is reason for us to need a refuge. Right? If he's a refuge, then that means that you need a refuge. Right? That means that you're running from something. That, needs, that means that you need safety, that you need security, that you need provision. You need that. So there is a need in all of our lives. And part of the reason why that he is our refuge in times of trouble is because we oftentimes go through trials. Oh, trials. Now, when we talk about trials, we're not talking about you had a flat tire on the way to work. Oh, the Lord is testing my faith. And it's a little bit bigger than that. We're talking about trial, trials. We're not talking about that you're just frustrated with that, uh, you know, you're having a bad hair day, right? But we're talking about this, the real struggle, right? We're talking about when the struggle is real, right? Whenever it's actually affecting your life, right? Let me tell you this today. The struggle is real, but it's also real good for you. The struggle is good for you. Jesus says this in Revelation 3.18. He says this. He says, I counsel you. <laughs> I counsel you to buy gold refined in the fire. This is my advice. <laughs> Jesus giving us advice, right? I counsel you. Get gold from the fire. The fire of struggle, the fire of, of tribulation, the, the, the fire of difficulty. We would like to faith all of our difficulties away. Can I tell you today, the fact that difficulties are coming your way is, is, is an indicator. It's an indicator that there is something great about to happen. Are you with me? If you're not battling any difficulties, it's probably because you're not doing anything. I mean, you know, nothing's tough when you just stay in bed all day. Come on. But when you get out and you start doing stuff, then there's opportunities to get offended and frustrated and have tension in your life. But I'm telling you today, there are always trials. And what happens is God uses the trials to refine us. I don't think that God causes every test. I don't think, you know, he's got his grade book out. However, every difficulty is a test, and it does refine us. Check this out, James 1, uh, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, 
When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, I hate this verse. Right? This isn't the one I want to put on my refrigerator. We love the Word of God. I mean, what is he thinking saying this? Count it joy? An opportunity for joy? No, it's not. Apparently, you're not struggling with what I'm struggling with. Now, you can consider it joy. How? If you get your perspective right. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When you're going through it, going, this will make me stronger. Why do bad things happen to good people? That's why they're good people. (laughs) Why do bad things happen to good people? Because good people are getting better. And we don't get better when everything's hunky-dory and, you know, when we're dancing around the rainbow in the pot of gold, right? We're not really growing during those seasons. (sighs) So the struggle is real, but but it's real good for you, Right? Now, one of the greatest uh, trials that we're facing today is the pressure of culture. Now, understand that in Scripture, when, when they talk about trials, they're not talking about they woke up with a headache that day. They're not talking about um, somebody's gossip. They're talking about people dying. They're talking about their faith upon this name. I'm talking dark times. They're talking about you could die for Jesus. When it talks about trials in Scripture. Now, it's not saying that those little things sometimes aren't trials to us and they're not important. And at the moment, how many know no matter how big your thing is later, it's always big right then. It's always difficult right then. But I'm telling you today, so many times we, we call martyrs, we call persecution where it's not. But can I tell you that we are in an hour right now where we're seeing where it actually is? You're not being persecuted because someone makes fun of you because you're a Christian. Right? But when you're jailed for it, or you're fined for it, or you're threatened for it, you're bullied for it, this is when we're entering the kind of trials that they were experiencing in the New Testament. Now, some of you are thinking I'm using hot-button issues to preach today. I've actually had this message planned for a couple of months to be preached today, which is interesting. So one of the, one of the trials that we're facing today are the pressures of our culture. I've noticed that it is getting more hostile towards us as believers and, and in our worldview, demanding that we bow to the demands of the world, right? They're saying, You're, you Christians have a bad moral, bad worldview, right? You're bad. What Your opinions are bad. The historical Christian biblical worldview is bad. It's wrong. And what's happening is it's becoming more and more aggressive, I believe in Jesus. Well, Jesus. what's funny is people always want to quote Jesus, but they really don't care what he says. Right? Do you really care what Jesus says? Because we can sit down and have that conversation. <clears throat> Jesus said, deny yourself. That's heavy. Jesus said, pick up your cross. In other words, be willing to die for me. That's uncomfortable. How many of you want to die for Jesus today? No raise of hands. But when we went to that cross, it would be a great honor, wouldn't it? And that's what happened with the disciples. But I'm telling you, I don't know how long it will be, but we are working towards that point. And I can tell you that in this hour that God is refining his church, right? He's refining his church. Daniel chapter 3. All right, you ready? God's refining the church. Thank you, Jesus. Now, 
if you know the story of Daniel, I encourage you, it's only four chapters. They're kind of long chapters, but Daniel is a story of this guy. Very, very timely word right now, Daniel, the book of Daniel. Uh, now, King Nebuchadnezzar, now let me give you guys a little bit of background. So the king of Babylon comes in and they overtake Israel, okay? They basically overtake them and they find the best men that they had, the most excellent people. So it says they picked Daniel who had an excellent spirit. And then it says he picked up these other guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were named something else. So I'm not going to try to pronounce all those names. And then they basically grabbed them because they were the, they were the finest bunch of people they could find. And so they said, what we're going to do is we're going to make these guys rulers in our land. They're going to rule with us. We're not just going to imprison them or kill them. We're going to let them rule with us. Okay? And so this is what happens. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he's building his kingdom. He's got all these people here. He's got these righteous people, these, these few Jews, these few chosen of God. And then he's got this whole pagan society. When we t- say pagan, we're not talking about necessarily demonic specifically, but what we're saying is people that are apart from the God that we love and worship. So King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the providence of, in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officials, governors, advisors, trustees, judges, magistrates, and all the providence officials to come and dedicate to dedicate the statue he had set up. Now, understand that whenever he starts calling all these governor officials, he's also calling Daniel, and he's also calling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? Because they're rulers in the land. So he's saying, this is the law. I want everybody to come, and we're building this statue. So all the officials came before him and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, a messenger, said, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other music, when the band starts playing, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So in other words, you're going to come and you're going to bow down to my statue or I'm going to throw you in the oven. I'm going to cook you. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race, nation, and language, bowed at the ground and worshipped the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So all these people, here's the music. Whenever I think about this story, I picture like a Mad Max kind of scenario. Like I think it looks like that with that music. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, you know, and people are all weird, and there's this big statue, and everybody's like, oh, kill, kill King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, there's four guys. Mad Max and his crew. It's Mad Shadrach, Mad Meshach, and Mad Abednego. And they're, they're there. The music's playing, and everybody's bowing down, and they're just standing there. Now, they're rulers. They're supposed to be the example for the people, right? So they're standing there and refusing to bow. Why? Because they're Jews, and they're, they kept the commandment that says you should only worship the Lord your God, right? You should not make any graven image. Right? So they know these things. They're keeping their law. They're keeping their conviction. And so they stand. Here it is. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So what happens is, is another one of the rulers runs up to uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and says, Hey, these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not, they're not bowing down. They're just kind of looking. Right? They're just kind of looking around. They're just standing there. But there's some Jews whom you've put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you. 
your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the golden statue you have set it up. So it says in verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Mad Shadrach, Mad Meshach, and Mad Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or, or worship the golden statue I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue. I have made, I have made it when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing fire. And what God will be able to rescue you from my power then? So Mad Shadrach, Mad Meshach, and Mad Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing fire or furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. The God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. How many know they were honorable? He's able to, king, he is able to save us, your majesty. I don't think they were arrogant. Come on. They, were, they did it in an honorable way. Civil disobedience. But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, God will save us, but if he don't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never ever serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. I don't know about you, but when I read that story of these three post-apocalyptic characters, not that's Mad Max, when I read the story of these characters, I'm challenged because I'm like, man, how many times do I bow at things that are set before me? Right? How many times do I bow to the demands of culture? How many times do I bow to the pressures in life whenever I should worship God, but instead I give, I yield my heart to the situation? Right? And so when I see this, I'm like, man, to have faith like that, give me faith. Come on, to trust what you say. And so here they, they declare this to him. But the moral of the story is this. Listen, never bow down. Never compromise. When we compromise, we are finding refuge in the culture. Let me say that again. Did y'all hear that? That, engine, that was prophetic with the... All right. Listen, when we compromise, we're not taking refuge in God... And we're, not, we're saying that God's refuge, that God's covering for me, that God's expectation of me is not enough. We are taking refuge in what the culture says. If they would have bowed that day, they would have not been taking refuge in God. They would have been taking refuge in the king, in his demands. And we call that compromise. And this is, this is the way we do it, right? I'll ask God for forgiveness. Lord, I'm bowing in my body, but my heart isn't bowing. I'm not bowing in my spirit. I'll just, I'll just bow down and I'll worship God instead of the thing. I'll, I'll think about God when I'm bowing. Compromise. I go, Lord, don't you want me to be comfortable? I mean, you wouldn't want me to die, even though the church was built upon martyrs. Even though the, 
the figure of our faith, Jesus, died a martyr's death. You wouldn't want me to die, Lord. You want me comfortable. My heart's not bowing, Lord. I'm still yours. Compromise. You say, oh, man, I would never do that. But we do it every day. We do it every day, right? When the pressure's on, we don't yield to God. Instead, we yield to the situation. We yield to our anger. We yield to the tension. Come on. And there's the little things, but there's the big things also. So when we compromise, we're, we're, we're holding up a sign to the world, a big sign that says for sale. As long as the price is big enough, as long as the benefits are enough, I'm for sale. Can I tell you today, you are not for sale. You have been bought with a price. Not just some man died for you. God, the God-man died for you. Jesus, perfect, sinless lamb, died for you to buy you. You are not your own. You are not for sale. So we cannot compromise. We cannot compromise never to comfort us or to convenience. We are never to compromise. And would that be the banner of the church in this hour? And this is why it's good. This is why it's good. It was because those that will bow at other gods, they will flee and they will leave and they will serve another god. This is what we'll see in this hour of the church. I'm not trying to be all prophetic and doom and gloom. We, the pressure is just beginning. It's not getting better. It doesn't matter who selected president. I can just tell you right now, it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. But the church will shine. It'll be our bright. It'll be the darkest hour in the world, but the, it'll be the church's finest hour. And, and the, the fakes and the phonies and the undevoted, they'll be gone in a heartbeat. But the righteous will endure. All right. So what do, we, what do we never compromise? Number one, we never compromise our mission. What is our mission? Our mission as the body of Christ, people that follow Jesus, is to advance the kingdom of God. It's always been our mission. It's been our mission since Adam and Eve, right? God said, go and spread my dominion on the earth, right? Rule over. Jesus comes back. They give up the keys, make this big mess. Jesus comes, gives us the keys, and says, here, take the keys of my kingdom. Advance the kingdom. Preach the gospel. The problem is, is the world has become our companion. And so compromise happens. We compromise our mission anytime the world becomes our com- com- companion and not our commission. Compromise happens when we put com- com- companionship above commission. And so what happens is we're like, I want to be liked. I want to be loved. I want to be accepted. How many know that there are no private Christians? No private Christians. I have a private faith. No, 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 no. Then you don't have a faith. The faith that we have, the commission that we serve, is a public faith. That's why we do things like baptism like we did last week. Why? Because we're making a public declaration of our faith. Your faith is not, if you have a private faith, you'll have a public faith. If it doesn't have a public demonstration, then it's not real faith. There's no private Christians. There's no stay-at-home Christians. Right? We have a mission, gang. 
We cannot forget what our mission is. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Maybe you're, maybe you're a lawyer or maybe you're a McDonald's manager or maybe you own your own business. Whatever it is, your primary mission is not just to make money and provide for your family, although you need to do that. Your primary mission is to advance the kingdom. The reason why God puts you there is so you can release Jesus and the Holy Spirit there. That's the reason why God puts you places. That's the reason why you got a job that you don't like right now is because God has allowed you to be in that situation to have a purpose. God put you everywhere for a purpose. And the purpose isn't just to make money and to pay the bills. The purpose is always the kingdom. It's the mission. It's who we are. It's what we represent. We are ambassadors. We are representing the kingdom everywhere we go all the time. That's why I can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere and just be like, you know, cuss like a sailor or throw a fit at the waitress. or I can't do anything. Why? Because everywhere I go, I'm advancing the kingdom. I got to represent Jesus well. Well, you're a pastor. I can tell you, there, there was a season in my life uh, over the last 20 years, a short season, that I, that I was working at Super Target. We were released from our job, and I had to get a job because I had to provide for my family, and I was working the night shift at Super Target. And I remember walking in and thinking, I'm still Pastor Josh. I don't, so I don't got the title, but I know who I am, and I'm representing Jesus here. And I could tell you that within six weeks, it's only there six weeks, I was starting to have influence of people. People were starting to ask me questions, all this kind of stuff. Because I, it didn't matter if I was working in a church or Super Target or uh, throwing dumpster, you know, those dumpster guys. It doesn't matter what it is. What are those guys called? Those dumpster trash men. Uh, so this is a bad title. Surely they have some kind of like um, garbage engineer or something uh, title. But listen, huh? San, oh, sanitation engineer. There you go. Okay, so listen, we have a mission. There's no stay-at-home Christians. There's no private Christians. Listen, we're Christians first, Americans next. Well, Texans and then Americans, right? But listen, we, we get on. We, we get on social media. We have conversations, political, 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 political. Listen, the kingdom will, if you are a believer, it will influence your politics, your social issues. All that will be influenced. But listen, 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 listen. That is not the purpose of Christianity. Is, is the purpose of Christianity to, to transform governments? Yes, but it starts with the heart. And we're dealing with all these fruits in our nation. What we need to deal with is the heart. The reason why we have problems in America is because the hearts of Americans are turned against God. And their hearts are hard towards Jesus. This is why they'll quote him and not even know what he says. Well, Jesus, do you really? No, you don't care. Your heart is hardened towards him. So we have a mission to advance the gospel. Listen, we are Christians first, kingdoms King, then Americans next. The advancement of the kingdom is the primary agenda of believers. You have an agenda. Oh, bro, I don't have an agenda. I'm just, no, you have an agenda. You're an ambassador of the kingdom. You're a ruler in the land. You might not have a title, but you have a position. You're seated in heavenly places. You have the power of influence. So we never compromise our mission. Number two, we never compromise the message. The message is the gospel. The message is a biblical worldview. I'm not saying that we can't have conversations about things because we need to. It's healthy. Because I, was, I got saved in an era of the church where you didn't, weren't allowed to have questions. I think, I think we need to open it up. You have questions, let's talk about the questions. But are you going to be satisfied with the answers? Right? Because the Christian worldview has stood its test for two, over 2,000 years. 
It's, gonna, it's not going anywhere, and that's what we hold to. That message that you contain about the gospel, about that all men are wicked and deprived apart from God, that is at the core of the gospel. But Jesus saves. It's a good news, but we also have convictions. We also have morality. So we never compromise the mission. I know y'all think I'm mad today. I'm not. We never compromise the mission. We never compromise the message, and we never compromise the core methods. Now, I understand we might have different music than we had 50 years ago. I'm talking about the core methods, the method of loving, the method of not reacting in anger or in spite or someone annoys me, so I've got to tell everybody about it. It's called gossip. It's sinful. With mercy, not frustration. I encourage you to find somebody this week that you don't like or that gets on your nerves and love on them. Mercy. Have some mercy. Have some grace on people. Well, they don't deserve it. And I know they don't. But they need someone that, someone that will love them, that will show grace to them, that will show God to them, that they, didn't, they don't deserve it. They don't. You're right. And you don't deserve it either. So why don't you go love on them? Represent Jesus well. So our core methods don't change. We, 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 deal with, we, we work with tenderness. In the midst of tension. I don't know about you, but man, I crush a lot of times with my frustration and I let my, I react. You need to stop reacting and start responding with, ten, with tenderness in the midst of tension. So let's talk about this resisting compromise. I want to give you five keys today to re- resist compromise. How many of you want to resist compromise in your life? I know I do. I want to resist compromise. Number one, don't get comfortable. (laughs) I just like life the way it is. I don't really need to change anything. You know, you, you, you tell people the gospel sometimes, and this is exactly what they say. I like my life the way it is. You're sinful. You're dying. You're going to hell. I like my life the way it is. But so many times, believers, we get comfortable. Listen, we do not find refuge here. We do not find refuge in the world. We find our refuge in the presence of Jesus. The righteous run to him, and they are safe. Dear friends, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, friendly conversation. I, I urge you as aliens and strangers, although not aliens like, but like aliens, like illegal aliens. That's the best way to read this text. As aliens, as strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, the unbelievers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Oh. All starts with this. Aliens and strangers. Can I tell you today, you are otherworldly. You are. Some of you are more concerned about being weird than being holy. Well, I don't want people to think. Now you start thinking about what God thinks. Maybe that's more important. Listen, we do not find refuge here. Um, this world is not our home. We don't fit in. Listen, we, we, uh, last Sunday we had a great day here at the church and set up a bounce house and, you know, that crazy thing and baptized people. It was great. It ate and everything. So, that morning, we were having some problems with the air conditioner, so Leslie goes home, and the house is like 82 degrees or something. So I was still at the church. She called me. She said, the house is hot. We can't stay here. So I said, well, let's just kind of, so we, we contacted our guy who's going to come and fix our AC, 
And uh, so I contacted him. He's like, man, it's going to be like 6 o'clock before I can get there. And, and you guys, y- y'all probably don't re- realize this or not, but Sunday is a work day for Leslie and I. I mean, we're like, we work our tails off. I'm up at like 6. I'm going. I'm refining, you know, looking at my message and doing all this prep work and stuff like that. We're running, running. And then we come up here and we do ministry and we do all this stuff. And we're, we're drained on Sunday. I mean, when, once about 1 o'clock hits, it's like we crash. I mean, it's right? And it's very draining. And uh, some of y'all experienced some of that. And uh, and so what happens is she, she calls me. She's like, so hot. I was like, well, why don't y'all just come up to the church? We'll just sit here. We'll put some movies on or something for the kids. And we'll just kind of hang out because the building would be cool. And so, you know, we, we do that. We're, we're sitting here and the whole time we're just thinking, I want to go home. I mean, our church is nice. We love being here. It's not a burden to be here ever. And about our office here, but, but, but it is it is, it is work for us in, in a real way. And I don't say that it's, it's not burdensome at all. We love what we get to do. But it's, it's not home in the sense is that I'm going to take my socks and shoes on and put on my basketball shorts. I don't play basketball, but I put on basketball shorts at the house. And so uh, I'm going to put on my, my tank top and sit around the house and, you know, with my feet propped up and my recliner and relax on Sundays like I normally do. I didn't get to do that, see. Why? Because I wasn't home. I don't have the comfy couch and chair here. Those are chairs are comfortable for about an hour and a half, and then, right, you're, you're done. So we were up here for all that time. It wasn't like we were having service, you know. That would have been okay. We would have been like, yeah, no, God, I'm so tired. But why were we, why, why couldn't we get comfortable? Because it wasn't home. Don't get comfortable. This is not your home. Don't get comfortable in the culture. Don't get comfortable in the culture. Bring the comfort to the culture, but don't get comfortable there. Your comfort's otherworldly. We get our comfort from the Holy Spirit. Number two, embrace your contrast. I'm going to say this again. You are different. You contrast. You, if, if, if the world is white, you are black. You, it is contrast. We are absolutely different. Conform not. Don't try to be like the world. Don't try to be gray. Don't try to be a different tone than you are. Be who you are. Stay set apart. Be holy. Be different. That word that that we read there about aliens and strangers, there's a strange to strangers. Now, listen, we don't pursue being weird in the kingdom. There's a lot of flakes and a lot of spacey people in the kingdom, right? Which I'll just say this. I'd rather deal with a few flakes and spacey people and have the Holy Spirit than eliminate all of it and have everything just kind of predictable. I'll take that any day. Come on, are you with me to have the gifts of the Spirit function? I'll take it any day. We don't need to be weird for weird's sake is what I'm saying. But we are different. You are strange. I mean, you believe like God can heal people. You believe a man died, was dead for three days, and rose again. You believe a guy, like, was in the belly of a fish for three days. You're weird. You're strange. You're different. You're peculiar. Now, listen, we don't, we don't tote that around. Look at me. I'm so weird. I'm so oddball. No, no, no. You're missing the point. The point is, is you are from a different world. Stop functioning and acting and responding and acting just like the world does. You are different, and that's okay. Embrace your contrast. Embrace your contrast. Now, when I'm saying that, I'm not saying, like, being all spooky and stupid. No, no, no. That, that's not productive. That's just silly. We're talking about your character. 
We're talking about your behavior. Come on, are you with me? You are different. Some, sometimes people, you're going to have friends that are in the world that you need to be around sometimes that you love on, and they're going to say, let's go see this movie, and you're going to be like, oh, man, I can't go see that. And they're going to be like, you're weird, man. You're not going to hurt. It's okay. Uh, you know, just, I'm not going to, and you're thinking in your mind, I'm not going to bow to the gods of culture. Embrace your contrast. Um, now, one of the things about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is this, and I need to hurry today, is that before this ever happened, if you guys read back in Daniel chapter 2, they, whenever they brought them into Babylon, they were like, here, eat the king's food. Right? And they're like, here, eat. And they're like, no, 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 no. You know, we don't eat that stuff. Why? Because they had laws that they kept. And so it says that they just ate fruits and vegetables, and at the end of 10 days, they looked better than the people that were, that were really nourished from the king's table. They, had, they were already living this life before it ever got down to be idle. Part of the reason they were able to, to, stand before, to stand before the idol and not bow before the idol is because they had had a history of not, of not making little compromises. What? You better develop a history of not making little compromises or the big one is going to crush you. You're going to develop your strength through the little things, the little jokes that you laugh about. The little movies, the little, the little, oh, it's not that bad. You keep making those little compromises, and you will bow before the golden statue. You better develop some history. Embrace your contrast. Check this out. That word right there when it says abstain from sinful desires, in the Greek it says this, keep away. Just keep away. If there's a chance of me compromising, just keep away. I don't even need to be near it. Just keep Keep away. I have never, since, since, I've, since I've been saved, which I was really young, I actually went into a bar before I got saved. I've never been into a bar since I've come to Jesus. not saying it's sinful to go to a bar, but I've never been. Why? Because I want to keep away. There's things in there that can lure me in, sexuality, uh, drunkenness, all these things that can, I know me, and I know Josh Brown ain't that strong, so I just keep away. I just keep away. If there's people that are really immoral, I just, I just stay away. Well, shouldn't you try to influence some? Some I try to influence. But my holiness is important, so I'm careful to what I do. And you, we need to be careful. Keep away. Second uh, Corinthians six fourteen. And listen, I'm not saying that if you're going to a bar, that's sinful. But if you're going to go there, represent Jesus. Don't just be like everybody else that's at the bar trying to hook up. And well, go, go, where am I going to find somebody? How about church? Never thought about that. 2 Corinthians 6.14, I would encourage you guys to take some time because I'm going to jump around in this passage and I'm going to finish. It says this, 2 Corinthians 6.14, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can, how can, right, how can light live in darkness? Therefore, verse 17, come from among them or from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Do not touch their filthy things. New Testament. Just in case you're wondering. So stay away. Embrace your contrast. Number three, expect opposition. Expect it. We're like, it's funny how these things happen in the media. And we're like, oh, can you believe it? Of course. Jesus said there will be terrible times in the last days. Okay. I just, who do they think they are? Listen, why are we surprised? Seriously? How are we surprised? Check this out. Jesus. John 15, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. 
The world would love you as its own if you belong to it. But you're no longer part of the world. Remember, you're aliens and strangers. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Be not surprised. The problem is we want to be liked, loved, or celebrated, so we keep our mouth shut. But I didn't bow inside. Listen, Christianity is not mainstream. It's counterculture. Well, it is in the Metroplex. We're talking about real Christianity. We're talking about living holy, not living a life of compromise. Listen, Christianity is not mainstream. It's counterculture. It was that way in Jesus' day, and it's that way today. The reason why people were attracted to Jesus is because he was different, not because he was like everyone else. He didn't just have a religious spirit like the other guys did, but he did, he did come to bring a standard. We think, oh, Jesus just abolished the standard. No, Jesus took the standard to a whole new level. Oh, you have hate in your heart? No, oh, that's murdering. Oh, the standard's high. It is, so you better yield your life to me. Right? I wonder if the reason why we don't see miracles like we saw with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I wonder if we don't see more miracles happen because we're living at the mercy of our culture and not dependent upon the mercy of God. Maybe we don't trust God enough. Maybe we don't trust God so we bow. Well, God won't deliver me. Maybe God won't, fall, maybe God won't come through. So I'll, I'll just bow at the mercy of culture. Number four. You okay today? I know this is heavy. I got good news. It's coming. Number four. Strengthen your stand. Guys, this is, it is really time for us to wake up. Come on. I mean, we're just like piddling around, kind of like doing our little kind of mediocre Christian life, going to church on Sunday. That's about it. Never spending time in the Word, never praying, never doing anything like that. Listen, you've got to strengthen your stand. Stay equipped. Pray up. Study up. Stand up. Speak up. Start listening to some podcasts. Listen, Sunday mornings is not enough for you to get equipped. It's not enough. It's great. We love it. We love being together. But you need to be in the Word all the time, listening to things. Turn your music off. Go listen to some good podcasts, something that's going to give you some, some good arsenal so you can defend some good Christian arguments, listen to good apologetic stuff. Get equipped. I love, what, I love how that these young men strengthen their standards, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you. Even if God doesn't take care of us, we're strong enough to die for him. If he don't deliver us, it's okay. We're his anyway. And we can be gone today. And we're okay with that. Listen, most of us, we're not there yet. Strengthen our stand. Ephesians 6.18, put on the full armor of God. You guys can study that. We could do a whole series on that. So when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, Stand. So I'll give you everything. Stand to ground. Stand, 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 stand. So strengthen your stand. Strengthen your stance. Some of you need to be a little bit more vocal. Come on. Some of you need to be less vocal. Strengthen your stand. Number five. Remember that we're never alone. This is the core of it all. See, Jesus was in the fire before he was in the fire. He was in the, the fire of those three young men whenever the music started playing. There was a fire inside of him. We will not bow. Go ahead. Take our lives. Lead. 
You can take our lives. We will not bow. There was a fire before the fire. So if you guys know the story, this is what happens. They don't bow down. They light up the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar says, strike it up. I want it seven times hotter. They tie them up, both hand and feet, and it says that they throw them in this fiery furnace. And it says it was so hot, seven times hotter. It was so hot that it killed the armed, strong guards. It, it says that they grabbed the strongest guards to throw them in. It killed the strongest men that they had that threw them in the fire. That's how hot the fire was. They throw them in there, and Nebuchadnezzar is probably sitting on a throne or something like that and looking off in the distance as this fiery furnace, and he starts counting the people. Hey, uh, hey, boss, come here. Didn't you say we put we put three in the fire, right? Shadow, me, shadow, me. Yeah, 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 you know. This is... There's a fourth man in the fire. There's a fourth. There's another guy in there. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and uh-oh, right? Mac, preacher joke, bad one. Four. I see four, and the fourth looks like this. Verse 25, the fourth looks like a god. Other translation says, like a son of God. Can I tell you today that that was Jesus, the Lord himself, in that fire with them that day. He was in the fire before that when they stood up to the idol. He was the fire after that. So he says this. He says, release the men, bring them out. He says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out of the fire. So they come out. They walk out. And there they are. And he's like, who is this God that you serve? And then at that day, he makes a mandate for the people to follow the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But check this out. They came out of the fire, and they didn't even smell like smoke. They didn't even, there, was no, there was nothing evident on them that they had gone through the fire. They were clean. Why? Because Jesus was with them. Can I tell you today, he is with you. He's with you when you're weak, and he's with you when you're strong, but he is there. And he is able to give you the courage to stand up when you need to stand up, to speak up when you need to speak up. He is there. He's not far from you. This whole Christianity thing started from the resurrection, but whenever he left his disciples with the commission, he he, he finished it by saying this. He said, I want you to go, and I want you to be ambassadors of the kingdom. This is the mission. I want you to go out. Don't compromise the mission. Don't compromise the mission. And listen, don't compromise, but listen. I will be with you even until the end of the age. I will be with you. I will be with you. So he is with you when you're discouraged and you don't know if you can stand. He's with you. And I love this. Isaiah 43, it says, when you go through the deep waters, I'll be with you. And when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you.